everyone. My name is Josh Rosenberg. I'm the managing broker of Carol 49 Realty. Uh, welcome to our very first podcast uh, called the Vancouver Special. Uh, today we have our the mortgage extraordinaire, uh, John Lee, who's the CEO and mortgage professional for Rise Mortgage Group. Uh, John, welcome to our first podcast. Thank you for ha- coming here. Thank you for having me, Josh. Good seeing you. Yes, yeah, nice to see you too. Uh, so how long have you been doing this mortgage stuff for now? Oh, uh, I've been a mortgage broker for four years now. Oh, nice. And yeah, uh, prior to that, I was in property management. And before that, I was working for TD Bank. So uh, it's been a few years after leaving TD. So now getting back into a mortgage program, I tried to like, when I started, I was thinking back, oh, what was it like doing a mortgage for TD? And yeah, so that, that was kind of where I transitioned. And now it's been four years. And yeah, it's been great so far. Excellent, excellent. So, you know, the hottest topic that we're going to be talking about today, of course, is the Bank of Canada keeping the rates at, as at they at they currently are. Now, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that's you know a smart move for Bank of Canada? Do you think that we're setting ourselves up for a huge jump down the road? Uh, you know, I it's tough to say. You know, it's probably not a smart move. But then I also un- understand the rationale behind leaving the rates the way it is, because uh, prior to this meeting, all this time, they're like, OK, guys, you know, um, we're going to increase the rate 2022, but it will be like middle of the year. And then now we're in January. And all of a sudden, if they did increase it, people were like, hey, well, what's what's going on? You mentioned it was like mid 2022 and without any notice. Now, like you're pumping a rate. So that that will really cause a lot of trust in the Bank of Canada moving forward because whatever they say, they want to make sure that it's uh, you can like depend on us. So um, so with this situation, with this rate announcement that they're keeping it the same, essentially what they're doing is okay, we're going to keep it the same, so it's not a big surprise for everyone. But if you read in their verbiage, it's very obvious that for the next one, which is in March, they are preparing everyone to let everyone know that rate is going to increase in March. Okay. Yeah. So, like, you know, for example, you know, for myself, I have a I have a variable mortgage right now. I think I'm at you know prime minus one percent. I've yeah. you know I still have I think another two years left on my mortgage before I have to do the renewal. You know, should I start considering, you know, you know, for other people in my situation, should I consider losing my prime minus one and locking in now at a fixed rate? Or should I wait closer to, you know, the potential next? Yeah, Um, that's a great question because everyone is asking that. Like for the past year or two, everyone has been putting their mortgage into variable rate. So now it's great when rates are low and doesn't change, but uh, now people are panicking. It's like, oh, the rates are going to go up. So what I've been telling my clients is keep everything the same. So right now, if you're prime minus one, that means it's 1.45%. That's pretty good because if you go into the bank and you want to lock in your rate, chances are the rate will be close to about 3%. So, okay, so I'm almost doubling my rate then. Pretty much. Yeah, like I get it if rate is the fixed rate is like 
don't know, 1.75, maybe even 2%. And then you'd be like, okay, I'm okay with paying more so I can sleep at night. But man, 1.5% difference. That's huge. And because of the jump, like you're talking about a few hundred bucks per month difference, depending on how big your mortgage is, because yeah. it's a 1.5 difference. Um, lots of people are seeing that. They're like, whoa, like that's a huge jump. Uh, I'm not prepared to pay that much more right away. So people are leaving variable. Also, um, people don't talk about the penalty as well. So if you have a variable rate mortgage and who knows, you might decide to uh, sell your place and move uh, within the term. Uh, of course you can port it, but if you can't, you have to pay a penalty. And for variable rate mortgages, the penalty is capped at three months interest. And interest rates are so low, it actually ends up being just like a few thousand bucks. Whereas if it's a five-year fix and you break the contract, it works out to be about three to 4% of the outstanding balance. So when you hear like read news about this poor family uh, paying like $30,000 in penalty, they have a fixed rate mortgage. So those two things are, are what causing people to stay the same. Keep it variable. If you're concerned about rates going up, we don't, we see, we can't control when rates are going up, but you can control how quickly your balance is paid down. So what I've also been advising people to do is pay a little bit more into the mortgage in anticipation that rates will go up. So when rates do go up, then it's on a lower balance. All right. All right. Excellent. And so now with this crazy market that we have, you know, we're getting, you're getting multiple offers on everything these days. So there's just not enough supply. Now, so how are you seeing, you know, the trends of the banks right now when it comes to, you know, getting appraisals through or even approving mortgages? Like, is it much harder to get money these days because of all that? Or? Um, the process is the same. It's just a lot more emotions involved. Um, so, uh, yeah, like putting in a subject is a joke. Like, you, you just can't. Uh, so everything needs to be no subject. But uh, I think I figured out a way, a little trick to um, be able to get the financing and to get the full amount, uh, even though you're overbidding. So, so the trick is, is that to get the appraisal, but not right away, maybe wait like a month and a half, two months, like maybe a month prior to completion um, and then get it. Because when the appraisers do the appraisal, they just base everything on comps, right? Recent comps. So if you are the highest bid in that neighborhood and you get an appraisal right away, well, of course, the appraisal is going to come in lower. But if you wait a month, chances are your neighbor will have a place that's sold using your comp, right? So then now the appraiser can have something to work with to bump up that uh, appraisal valuation. And, you know, why order the appraisal right away anyways? I get it if you have a sucker removal and that seems to be the, the process because you got to get everything done in like five business days. But if you don't have such a removal, then really you don't really need to get that approval yet until 
later on. So uh, wait until um, there's a little bit more comps in the area, then get the appraisal. Then there, chances are you should be able to hit the uh, purchase price that's on the contract. Um, so that's probably the the hardest, um, most frustrating part. Another thing that has been um, difficult are for people who are buying condos and they have a uh, like less than 20% down payment. So with these first time home buyers, they're trying to, they're getting priced out, but they can still kind of get into the market. And how they get into the market is buying old condos. 25 years, 30 years. So at that age, there's probably a lot of um, repairs to be to be done. That's definite. And it's if it's insured, then there's only three insurance companies that will us that that we can approach. Even if they have good income, if the insurers don't like it, they're not gonna be approved. So um, it's very important to really read the strata documents, make sure all those repairs are all done or there's no upcoming big ones because uh, for building that old a depreciation report should be available and they will be reviewing it. Yeah. Now, you know, thinking of that, you know, because I know like, you know, for, for a while, you know, a lot of these, you know, condos and stuff, they have been having problems with insurance rates going up through the roof. Now, because they're just getting skyrocket, you know, they're just getting toasted these days with some of these rates. You know, are the banks, you know, have, is that being a factor for the banks these days? When they're doing the lending, if you know if the building's having problems with you know insurance premiums going through the roof of you know like the I think the Telus Garden building, you know their insurance premiums are are astronomical for a brand new building. Yeah, uh, no, it hasn't been an issue. The, the bank banks don't really include insurance premium as part of the housing costs. Um, they, they usually just include like property and property taxes and maintenance fees. What they do require is that it is insured. Okay. Okay. So if uh, it's expensive, it's fine as long as you can get it insured. One thing that did happen recently, if you remember, it was the flood in Abbotsford. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and many of those homes, like uh, they, they had completion dates during that time. And uh, if, if the house was okay, it wasn't affected by flood, they still couldn't complete because they couldn't get the insurance. No insurer was willing to insure it. Yeah, so, particularly if it's on a floodplain. Yeah, so in that scenario, then yeah, that does affect the lending, uh, but not because of the cost of the insurance. Okay, excellent. Um, like other other weird, you know trends that you're noticing these days for you know things going on you know other than our market being crazy are there other weird trends you're noticing of you know people putting you know lower down payments more th than usual or oh ooh, weird trends not really weird trends but more of the trends being more apparent so bank of mom and dad right it yeah. Was, yeah. Read that on the news as well. That chunk of money is getting bigger and bigger. Um, so that's 
how these first-time home buyers are keeping up with the home prices. It's not like because they got a yeah. promotion or wage increase, but it's because they're getting larger gifts. And how are they getting larger gifts? It's because the parents own the place, or maybe they've been investing well over these years. Stock market has been doing well, not recently, but for the past few years, it's gone up quite a lot. So there's uh, lots of money floating around. Um, so and then passing it on to um, the next generation. Um, in terms of other things, not really. I mean, nothing much has changed um, in terms of lending side. Banks, there are some that is uh, like tightening a little bit, but not too too much. Um, for example, like before, if you had a PR card, then getting a mortgage is very very easy even though you don't have income but now they've tightened that up a little bit where you do need still need to show income um yeah so not really out of the ordinary uh more gifts being passed on okay now one thing that i know my family did this and i don't know if this is the proper way of doing it or if this is just my family's way of doing things interesting now, instead of providing funds as a gift, one thing they did is they would register it as a interest-free payment-free mortgage mm-hmm. on, t- on the title. So they would go on as a second title. And this way they don't have to, reg- it doesn't have to be a gift anymore because it's, they're going on as a private lender, essentially. In that. Yeah. Is that more beneficial doing it that way? Or, you know, for taxation purposes and, you know, I guess you don't have to then declare it as a gift you could only do a gift of one time up to a certain dollar point yeah um so that i haven't really um experienced or maybe they don't um tell me because if it's a purchase banks will need to know what your debts are and on the commitment letter, it also says no secondary financing required, uh, allowed or permitted. So at the time of closing for a purchase, if there is another party being registered, the bank for sure will know. And they're like, what's going on? You're breaching one of the conditions and that will just blow everything up. So from the bank's point of view, the, the money being transferred they, you still need to write a gift letter and uh, you know, do the process so then we can use that down payment. That, so then that, what, what you're sharing, I've heard it some, like not often, but it does happen. But then um, uh, it comes after the transaction. Yeah. So they, then, they, can't, they can't register both mortgages at the same time. Anyway. Yeah. So same after time. completion, everything's good. You got the money right? You're all good. Then you uh, register a second position and do all of that behind the scenes. Um, Is it better or worse? Um, I think it would be, uh, it's good legally, right? So it's uh, depending on what uh, was the agreement done behind closed doors and privately. Um, If you put, if you register, then uh, there's more control over it because it's if you need to sell or need to like refinance, everyone else on title needs to be will be notified. Um, so 
yeah, for I guess for legal purposes, then that will come in handy. But in terms of mortgage approval, um, that doesn't help. In fact, it will make it worse. Uh, it's the traditional way is still just to do a uh, gift letter. Okay, excellent. And now, how much does it cost these days for you know for your every for like four hundred thousand dollars? Like, what is your average rate for like a five year fix versus a five year variable? Yeah, so I was saying, so like right now for variable, you're looking between like one point four to one point six percent. Well, what does that what is that result you know break down to for dollar point per hundred k? So if yeah, you need so, a you know a hundred thousand dollar mortgage, for instance. Yeah, so that will work out to be about four hundred bucks per month for every one hundred thousand. Okay. And then what about the fixed rates then? Like, you know, what's the diff- what's the price point difference then? Yeah, so fixed rates, honestly, I haven't done that many because <laughs> uh, of the reasons I, I share with you. Yeah. But uh, if someone is just very conservative, very scale variable, then uh, fixed rates, I'll say 3%. And that works out to be about $475. Okay, so it's, around seven, so it's around a $75 difference per 100 k Yeah. Okay. It, it definitely adds up as you're getting out. Oh yeah, you know, I, I get up there. Absolutely. Now, does the, well, one last question that I was wondering about: What does the bank? What does the mortgage industry feel about this potential of a holdback of a of a of a cooling off period, as the government's trying to put it? Whether it's a one day, five day, seven day, who knows how many days are going to actually come down to? It is inevitable. The, you know, the, you know, the BCFSA has said there will be some form of a cool period. Yeah. They haven't set down how it's going to work, whether it's just for the buyers or if it's our buyers and sellers. Haven't set that out yet. But how does the mortgage industry feel about that? Do you think that's a good move to help buyers in this situation? Or do you think it's just going to, you know, put lipstick on a pig and doesn't really do anything? Um... So personally, and towards the market, I don't think it's going to have much of an impact. Um, it, it'll just there'll be loopholes, there'll be other ways to get around it. Uh, but f- so in terms of cooling or like causing prices to come down or something, I don't think that will play a role at all. Uh, in terms of mortgage side, um, remember this is only for BC. So yeah. when yeah. So it's province specific. Banks are federal, like uh, Canada wide. So for them, it doesn't also affect them either. Like for them, same thing. They'll just look at, okay, well, what's the purchase price? What are the conditions? When subject removal? So given that uh, scenario, every single uh purchase agreement will have a seven day subject removal which kind of gives us um i guess uh, a breather as well so that there's not as much stress um but then again remember i was sharing with you the tip about um, appraisals that also yeah. means we'll have to get an appraisal within that time to get the firm approval and the values may not come in depending on how aggressive or how crazy the market is during that time. So I think it will cause less stress just because um, there is that period to back out. Uh, 
but in terms of pricing and everything, I think uh, that's not going to affect it much. Okay. Now, one last topic goes, you know, just for the first time home buyers that will be listening, um, are there any new programs for first time home buyers? I know there's the R, there's the RRSP for the RRSP, you know, gift that you can use a certain percentage of your RRSP towards a down payment. There's also the first time home buyers uh, grant for the property purchase transfer that's under seven All right, 500. It's under 500. It's, it's under 500k. Yeah. And then I think it scales between 500 and uh, 550. Yeah. 550. Yeah. yeah. So there's those two programs. Are there any other programs that first time home buyers can take advantage of, you know, in this market? Um, in Vancouver or in British Columbia, not so much. So those, the most common one is the RSP home buyers plan, where you can take out up to 35,000. Uh, from your RSP, and then you have to repay it back within 15 years. Property transfer tax, you mentioned 500000 I don't even know what you can get for 500000 anymore. You might be able um, to get a bachelor in downtown. Uh, maybe, <laughs> possibly. It might be listed and then like sold at $800,000 or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so in terms of property transfer tax, one uh, rule not specifically for first-time home buyers, but for people who are buying pre-sales. So there is also an exemption if it's brand new and it's up to seven hundred fifty thousand. Then the property transfer tax is also waived as long as you, it is owner occupied. Um, and, and then the so, last and that's only for first-time home buyers, all right? No, it's not for anyone. Oh, oh so yeah. anyone who buys a pre-sale under seven fifty can get and an you're exemption. living in it. And for personal use, can it get exempt from property transfer tax? That's correct. If it's rental, then no. Okay. Um, yeah, and that they adjusted that too. Um, so it's up to like eight hundred. So it scales down, kind of like okay. the um, uh, the other rule for property transfer tax. And uh, the last thing is the um, home equity uh, partnership program. That, uh, to be honest with you, I haven't done one before because... Is that the one where there's the, you know, two different, you know, two different buyers that are buying a property together, you know, in the combined, you know, yet they're not related type thing? No, it's where you buy the property with the government. Oh. Yeah. So it's called the share equity plan. That's what it is. So basically the program is your home, first time home buyer, you have less than um, 20% down payment. And then the government can say, say if you put down 5% or something, down payment, then the government goes, oh, okay. If you want to join our program, I'll fork in 5% with you. So then really your down payment is 10%. It's interest-free and no payments as well, okay? So but it's, here's a, the catch. it's essentially a grant for them? No, but here's the catch though. The government takes 5% of your property. So when you sell, you have to give 5% profit back to them. Yeah. I mean, 5% uh, profit or loss, like the loss, yeah. then you all, the government will also take the loss. But most of the time, it will be a profit. So if they purchase like in 2020, and then 2021 was been a crazy year, probably gone up like I don't know, 10, 15%, but the government also has gained that 5% of that game so they 
package it in a way where it's so nice, where it's like interest-free, things like that, but it can be quite costly <laughs> depending True. on how, how much your property has increased. Well, obviously a lot of people haven't taken, you, you, at least you haven't dealt with a lot of that personally. No, because uh, what actually also happens is that um, the program doesn't allow them to borrow as much. They can actually borrow more if they don't use the program because they factor in that 5% loan into the, the debt servicing as well. Oh, okay. And then they're like, okay, well, I'm not borrowing more. Then why don't I just pay a slightly higher premium, but I get everything 100% all in my name. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. All right, excellent. And are there any other last tips you think you, you know, for buyers these days to try to, you know, survive this market and be able to buy something? Any other last minute tips you think you can, uh, you know, pass their way? Um, well, I think it's an advice that many realtors, like the realtors in your brokerage are advising already is, is you got to be ready. Everything yeah. needs to be uh, all set and you're ready. If you're just looking around or you're not really so sure, I mean, I guess you can look once or twice, but really you're just wasting your time. Um, everyone, the P everyone you're competing with, they have everything ready and for financing wise. So they're all, they're all very confident when they put down that bid. Excellent. Um, so get approval so, ahead of time. Yeah. So, um, do your homework. Uh, it's a big purchase and get the right people, uh, helping you, uh, to, to, uh, to purchase, especially during this time. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and the rate, and the, you can get pre approved. The rate, the rate is still at, you know, it's over 100, 180 days, 100, 120 rate? days, That's 120 right. day rate Yeah, for Excellent. fixed rates. Excellent. And variables, obviously that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what is the variable rate at these days for, you know? So, yeah, so I'm mentioning between 1.4 to 1.6. So, 1.4 to 1.6, that's sort of prime minus, sort of between. One, yeah, prime minus 1, 1 to 1. Point, say 1.1, I guess. Oh, yeah. nice. Excellent. Well, that's that. This has been the Vancouver Specials first podcast. Uh, that I thank you, John Lee, for coming on and being my first guest. And uh, you all have a wonderful day. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Josh. And I, for those who would like to get in contact with me, um, I'm sure Josh will provide my contact information. Yeah. There'll be a description at the very end with your, with your card so you, people can contact that as well as in the description. Perfect. Happy to help and happy to uh, meet, meet with all of you guys. Excellent. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, John. Thank you. See